Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. Uh, the book of Joshua, if you have a copy of God's Word. I have to, um, because of the presence of the Lord that's so strong in here, I am having to navigate through how much or how little I want to share. And um, if you don't know, we are concluding our Here, Near, and Far season of generosity. Today is our Big Give weekend. We're going to be bringing a special sacrificial offering to the Lord today. And 100% of the offering goes towards our future because as of last week, our church is completely debt-free. Can we shout one more time for the goodness of God for that? It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Uh, the book of Joshua is the first book named after a person. He was Moses' protege. He was his apprentice. He shadowed Moses. And then uh, after he was done serving Moses, the Lord transfers the anointing of Moses onto Joshua at the end of Deuteronomy. Uh, the book spans about 25 years in time. And I, I think it's important that we realize that uh, Joshua is God's chosen person to lead the people across the Jordan River, and Moses was God's chosen person to set the people free. And so they each had their assignment, but they shared the same anointing. And one generation will do one thing for the Lord, and the next generation will do another, but will share the same anointing. And that's my prayer, is that the same encounter with God that we've had today would continue for generation after generation after generation. And so this story continues from the end of Deuteronomy. And Joshua chapter 1, if you have been in church at all, you've probably heard the story of Joshua. If you went to Sunday school like I did or Flannel Graph University in the basement of some sketchy church somewhere, you've probably heard the story of Joshua. And this is Joshua chapter 1. And uh, let's read the word together. And I'm probably going to move very quickly once I do that. Uh, because I want to give enough time for our, all of our new Focus family members to be at party with the pastor. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. He's speaking of a river, not some shoes. Um, go over this Jordan and you and all this people into the land that I am giving them. To, to the people of Israel. Every place that your sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised Moses, I'm so grateful for a God that has generational promises. That means that the promises that were given to me were also given to my children. The promises that were given to you are also for your children. The promises that were given to you are also for your grandchildren. We serve a generational God. He is not selfish in his blessings to where he only pours it out to one person or one single generation. Instead, it's generation after generation. From the wilderness, this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to your great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, there is another hint at the characteristics of God being generational, the promises of God being generational. I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers. Again, generational, to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful 
to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Success, my friends, is not a sin. <laughs> Prosperity is not a sin. Doing well is not a sin. As long as you are in God's will, you can do well. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Again, the word success. Why? Because success is not a sin. Prosperity is not a sin. God wants his best for all of you. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua, from intern to commander of the officers. I love this because once you get anointing, you also get authority. Once you get commissioned, you also get some authority in the spirit where you can declare over things that you used to just watch at a distance as though they should be. He starts telling people what to do because he has the call of God on his life. He says, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, meaning get your stuff together because you can't take over what you don't have with you. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan and to go take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess father help me preach this word i pray that by the power of your spirit you would anoint this service like you already have that you would visit us like you already have that you would continue by your word to sharpen our spirits to hear directly from you we love your word it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path in jesus name amen and amen shopping has changed a lot have you noticed how much shopping has changed the costs have gone up, but the cashiers have disappeared. So the payroll goes down, but the cost of goods has gone up. That's strange to me. That's weird. How come it costs me more to buy groceries, but I have to now check them out myself? If you're going to charge me more, at least have a cashier there. It's changed even more than that. You don't even have to go in the store. Did you know that? My wife sent me to Target, and she said, just park in a spot and pop the trunk and tell me which spot you're in and then miraculously prophetically by the divine power of the spirit someone in a neon vest will come bring the very thing that i just bought from my phone shopping has changed she said go get it pop the trunk and then she said i said how am i going to pay for it she said, it's already paid for. All you have to do is go pick it up. That, my friends, is what the Lord was telling to Joshua and what God has sent me to tell you. That God already got it. All you have to do is go get it. 
God already gave it. Now we have to go get it. <laughs> God's given you a great marriage. You just got to go get it. God's given you children that do not rebel or depart from the ways of the Lord. You just got to go get it. God's given you that job. You just got to go get it. God's given you that idea that's going to change the network that you're a part of. You just got to go get it. God gave it. Now you got to go get it. He said, he says, you own it, but you, now you have to occupy it. You now you you've purchased it, but now you got to possess it. It's so different when you're looking at it from a distance. And I drive by land that we now owe that own that, 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 that 13, 15, 13 to 15 acres on the left and right side of destiny drive. As you drove up here, that soccer field, guess what? God gave it to us. Yeah. <laughs> now we got to go get it. <laughs> he gave it to us, but he said, everywhere you put your, God gave it to you. Now you got to go get it. Mm, go get it. Go get it. Uh, go get it. Pop your trunk and they'll magically show up. It's already paid for. Go get it. I wonder if 2023, you just go get it. I wonder if you'd go get it. I wonder if you'd wake up every morning and go get it. You know what? My marriage isn't like I, like I want it to be. I'm going to go get it. My life isn't like I want it. I'm going to go get it. If God gave it to me, I'm going to get it. I, I'm not saying blab it and grab it. I'm not saying name it and proclaim it. I'm saying God gave it. Go get it. It's interesting to me how many people will say God said something, but they won't go get it. <laughs> I preach it way better this church shouting. There should be offerings all over this platform by the end of today. He spends 40 years in slavery and then 40 years in the wilderness and he dies at 110. So he didn't even get to spend the amount. He spent more time enslaved and in the wilderness than he even did in the promised land. Why? Because it wasn't just about him getting the land. It was about generations after him getting the land. Some of y'all might leave the church before we ever build this new building. But you're going to give in the offering today. Oh, you don't like that? It's true. Or stay with us. You can do that too. He was a slave for, four, for his first 40 years. Then he spends his next 40 years in the wilderness and he dies at 110 he understands slavery. He understands oppression. He understands inhumane treatment. Yet you never hear him referencing his first phase of life. I'm going to go through very quickly five phases of Joshua's life. The first phase is he was a slave. But hardship does not define him. You never hear Joshua saying, but God, I can't cross the Jordan. My first 40 years were hard. He does not let his condition or his upbringing or his situation define the promised land that God has called him to occupy. I declare that you were once slaves, but you are no longer slaves. You were once one way, but you are no longer that way anymore. See, you understand the hardship and it makes you appreciate the promise, but you are no longer a slave. So I cast down the slavery mentality out of you. 
and put inside of you the spirit that is strong and courageous. The Joshua spirit that doesn't remind God that I used to be a slave. My granddad was a slave. My great granddad was a slave. I came from generational slavery. Instead of the slavery mentality, we come in with the strong and courageous mentality, not looking in the rearview mirror of our upbringing, but instead into the future of our potential of what God has called us to do and the land he's called us to occupy. If you're not careful, you'll end up defining yourself by your past. The devil knows your name, but he will call you by your past. But God knows your past, yet he calls you by your name. Joshua was born a slave, son of a slave, grandson of a slave. He was, he understood what hardship was like, but he did not let it define him. This is how I put it in my notes. I'm not blind to it. I'm also not bound by it. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm not saying the divorce didn't happen. I'm not saying the abuse didn't happen. I'm not saying the hardship didn't take place. What I'm saying is I'm not going to live my life in accordance to something that happened 40 years ago. I instead am going to wake up and be strong and courageous. It's interesting. If you're not careful, you can't inherit the promised land if you still have the mentality of Egypt. Why did they have to take 40 years in the wilderness? Because although they got, Egypt, they got out of Egypt, God had to get the Egypt out of them. The next phase is spy. He was sent by Moses to spy out the land. And there was 12 spies. If you know the story, you know that there were 12 spies and only a small percentage of the spies, two of the 12, came back with a different perspective as the other 10. They were the conspiracy theorists of the group of 12. Everyone else agreed the giants were too big. The land is not ours. The, it would be too hard to conquer it. Yet two of them said, no, 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 no. That's a hoax. That's not real. I watched a YouTube video that they deleted later about that. I found something on the dark web about the giants in the land that you don't know about. They were conspiracy. You see, sometimes you got to go through a season where you look like a conspiracy theorist, where you look like it might not make sense, where you look like a little out of left field and you're in the minority. Two out of 12, only two out of 12 believed that they would actually occupy the land. And the other 10 were like, no, 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 the giants are too big. As a matter of fact, this is what it says. In Numbers 13, 33, and the, the, the 10, the, the ten uh, scared ones are giving the report. And they said, and there they saw Nephilim, uh, sons of Anak, who came from Nephilim. And we seemed, we seemed, can you read that? We seemed to who? To ourselves like grasshoppers. So we seemed to them. Who called them grasshoppers? <laughs> The giants did not call them grasshoppers. They put it in their own mind that they could not win. They put it in their own mentality that they were grasshoppers. The giants did not call them grasshoppers. They called themselves grasshoppers. And I've met so many people where nobody's ever called you a grasshopper. You've inherited that upon yourself. I'll just never do it. I'll just never be able to make a difference. I'll just never be, I'll always be single. I'll always be this. I'll just never have the, I'll always have, you are a grasshopper in your own mind. The giant, the enemy hasn't even called you that. You've called yourself that. 
The greatest battle you're facing right now is in between your ears. And God sent me on assignment this week through prayer, intercession, and study to let you know you are not a grasshopper. No matter what your mind thinks, no matter what your own mind has told you, God has equipped you to face the giants. It's very, very important. What's the main issue here? They were not grasshoppers. They only seemed to, like, to themselves like grasshoppers. And this is what happens when a grasshopper mentality begins to enter into a culture, when a grasshopper mentality begins to enter into a church, when a grasshopper mentality begins to enter into the family of God. This is what they said, Numbers, the next chapter, Numbers 14, 4 through 8, and they said to one another, every time they're not speaking to God, they speak to each other, you got to be careful because if you don't include God in the conversation, you start speaking to one another and you start getting stupid ideas like this. Let us choose a leader. They had one, but they wanted to new one and go back to Egypt. Be careful. Be careful that you don't marry your past so much so that God's potential gets stifled by your desire to go back into slavery. It, it, the, they said the grapes were so big that it took men, it took two men to carry the cluster of grapes, yet the giants were so big that they said, let's go back to slavery. Let's put ourselves back under the generational curse that God set us free from. We witnessed them. These are the same people that walked on dry land, ocean walls on two sides, yet they want to go back to slavery. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in a grasshopper mentality. I'm not interested in going back to how things were. I'm going forward to the promised land. And Moses is dead, and I know that we're called to possess the land in our future. Man, they said, they said, let's go back to Egypt. And then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. These are their leaders. Fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, who were among those who had spied out the land. They're in the minority. They're just two out of 12. They, they tore their clothes, meaning they lamented. They were like, no, we are not going to do this. We are going to stand our ground in the presence of the Lord. And they said to the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is, exceed, is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. I've been to the land that, caught, that God has called this church to, and it is an exceedingly good land. And if if you stay the course and if you can trust God for just a little bit longer I know it doesn't look like it used to look I know it doesn't feel like it used to feel but I guarantee you that the Lord has shown us the promised land and we will occupy it we've already purchased it we will now possess it we already own it we will occupy it way better preaching way better preaching In the next phase I gotta hurry the next phase is soldier he was, a, he was a slave, he was a spy, and then he was a soldier. What was the first song you learned in Sunday school at the sketchy basement at the church that you went to? Jesus Loves Me Mostly. Top 10, though, Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. Top 10, at least, maybe top five. He was a soldier. He was a leader of the army. As a matter of fact, walls could not contain him. Walls could not contain him. Uh, Joshua 4.13 is 4.13-14 says about 40,000 ready for war 
ready for war, passed over before the Lord battled to the plains of Jericho. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in all of Moses all the days of his life. See, Joshua just wasn't a servant. He was also a soldier. He wasn't just a slave or a spy. He was also a soldier. See, some of us are, aren't, aren't fighting enough <laughs> for the kingdom of God. We're not pushing back enough darkness. Some of us are, are retreating while God is calling us. You see, let me, let me explain something to you about where this country is currently. Can I just explain something to you real quick? There's, there are, there's peacetime and there's wartime. In wartime, you don't go to the shooting range, you go to the battlefield. In peacetime, you, you work on your craft, but you know that every, all of your allies and all of your enemies, everyone's at peace. But then when it's wartime, you train differently, you get ready differently, and the risk during wartime is way higher than during peacetime. The risk that I run as your pastor during wartime is way higher than the risk that we run during peacetime. The feeling you feel on the news, the feeling you feel in your break room, the feeling that you feel with your boss or on Facebook or whatever it is, that feeling that you feel is not a sign of peace. It's a sign of war. And we are called to put on the full armor of God so that when the enemy attacks, we can stand. This is not peacetime anymore. It's wartime. And we are called to be soldiers of the light because where light is, darkness cannot stand. Oh, I'm just going to let it just kind of happen and they'll just tell me, they told me this. No, this is wartime. Here's where we are in this country. Let me explain it a different way because some of you are like, I'm not fighting nothing. I'm just going to retreat. Okay, let me, let, me, let me give you a sports analogy. Maybe this will be a little bit better. In America, it was almost assumed previously in previous generations that we were the home team, that everyone kind of had an idea of faith in Jesus Christ, that everyone kind of understood uh, faith in God. We are no longer on the home team. The home team has a nice locker room. They make accommodations for the home team because they're permanently in that locker room. We are no longer on the home team as Christians in America. We are on the visitor side. Have you ever been to a visitor locker room? It's a lot less comfortable. They make a lot less accommodations for you. They, the, the, they say it's Gatorade, but it's only water. You know, the bench is hard as a rock. There's no cushions on the bench. On the, uh, if you sit on the away side at your team that, uh, on football, guess what? The seats are, are worse in the away section. It's more uncomfortable. They, they have a smaller section. It's further away from the... Why? Because we are no longer on the home team as Christians in America. We're on the away team. We're no longer in peacetime. We are in wartime. So you better pray for your pastor. You better pray for this church. You better pray for the, for the tenacity and the boldness and the confidence. And as you pray for me, I'll pray for you. Because guess what? There might come a day where I'm not going to be able to be the only bold one in this congregation. There might come a day where I'm, the only, I'm not going to be able to be the only one to boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. You might have to take it to your neighborhood. It's wartime. It's wartime. I'm not saying that you have to go out there and hit, hit people over the head with your King James version of the Bible. What I'm saying is you better get into your prayer closet and wage war with intercession. You better put your hand over your kid's head and say by the blood of Jesus from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, I anoint you as my child to go into the war 
zone of this world. The education system is a war zone. The political system is a war zone. If you think we should be pacifists, you're wrong. The kingdom of God is advancing violently and violent people take it by force. We are slaves. We were slaves. We were spies. We are soldiers. See, the battles that are in front of me are nothing compared to the victory that is in me. God will exalt those, those who stand boldly. God will exalt those who stand for truth. As truth becomes harder to find, I pray that it becomes easier to find in this house. As light becomes harder to find out there, I pray that light would become easier to find in here. I pray that God would never give me the cowardice spirit to try to preach to tickle your ears. I pray that God would give me a soldier mindset, a militant anointing that says, I'm sorry this might offend you, but it is what this word says and what this word says stands for truth. I know the world is going to the right and I know the world is going to the left. I know the world is good. You can be whoever you want to be, but I'm a soldier in the Lord's army and I'm on assignment from God to bring Proclaim the goodness of God, come hell or high water, no matter what they say, the truth will remain. If you think for a minute I'm going to bow down to the, to the spirit of what everybody else wants to hear, you're wrong. I'll, I'll take this church down to 11 people and a cat before I ever say what people want to hear. I'm not nervous at all. Because it was when he had 40,000 battle-ready people that the Lord exalted him in the sight of Israel. And they were in awe. And they stood in awe of Moses. And they had stood in awe of Joshua. It's generational, the anointing that's on this house. Your kids are going to inherit a church building. Your kids are going to inherit a presence of God. They're going to be hungry for the truth. Don't let the school system confuse them. Don't let, don't let, it, don't let their friends confuse them. Don't let YouTube University educate your children. I, I, man, I know that this wasn't supposed to go this way, but man, I feel it. It feels right to me today. It's just too, it's wartime. It's wartime. And if you think that they're pac pacifist on the other side against your children, they're not. They're, they're waging war. Their agenda is very clear. So check their text messages. Mm. He was a soldier. He was also a servant. Authority did not bother him. And when I say authority, I mean spiritual authority. He submitted to spiritual authority. Joshua was a man submitted to God's word and God's will and God's ways. As a matter of fact, Joshua 5, he has a visitation with the commander of the Lord's army. When Joshua was by Jericho, meaning he was about to take the walls of Jericho, he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, the man was standing before him, and it was drawn sword in his hand, and Joshua went to him, and this is what he asked him. He said, are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? Like, are you for us or against us? And I love the answer. And he said, no. It doesn't really answer the question. Are you for us? Or are, you, are you one of us or are you one of them? No. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now, I have come. You can't fight battles on your own. You need the commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua fell on his face. He humbled himself. He began to serve. He served the Lord to the earth and he worshiped. And he said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? That'd be a good prayer for you to pray this week. As we, go to, as we come to bring our offering today, what, what does the Lord say to your servant? I love it because they said, Moses, your servant is dead, meaning the same servant spirit that was in Moses was transferred over to Joshua. 
Verse 15, and the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, notice this, take off your sandals. Does that sound familiar? Who else took off their sandals? Yes, his predecessor. Take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And then this, the most obedient thing that you could do, and Joshua did so. And Joshua did so. He was a slave. He was a spy. He was a soldier. He was a servant. But he was obedient. Many of you have lost your servant's heart. You're here today, but you're just checking off a box, and you think that you've figured it out. You know how to live your life without serving or submitting to the presence of God. And I would encourage you to get into a relationship with God where he can speak to you in specificity, tell you to take your shoes off. Only those who are listening closely can hear God at that level of specificity. So he was a servant. It's time to serve again. It's time to serve the Lord. Authority did not bother him, meaning he wasn't above the voice of God changing his heart. He wasn't above. The, he, didn't, he didn't just bulldoze through life. He, he was submitted. And may, may it be said of all of us that we were servants of God. Well done, my good and faithful servant is what we will hear. So not well done, my good and faithful leader. Not, no, not, not well done, my good and faithful you know, entrepreneur or whatever. It's service. It's servanthood. It's servant leadership. And, and, and in, a world where, in a world where people are like kind of doing their own thing, it's time that we uh, grab a towel and serve others. And we also submit to the anointing and the authority of God. It's important that you submit to the authority of God because it's the only authority that really has eternal implications. Yeah. So uh, as, as the piano player comes at all of our locations, uh, we have Joshua the slave, but hardship does not define him. We have Joshua the spy, but the giants do not intimidate him. We have Joshua the soldier, walls could not contain him. And we have Joshua the servant, authority did not bother him. And lastly, as we prepare to bring our offering, we have Joshua the successor, his inheritance outlived him. He only got to spend a small portion of his life in the land that was declared to him, yet for generations they got to live in the promised land, land flowing with milk and honey. And we've been asking God, God, what do you want us to give? And I think what I think, what I think we need to realize is that a lot of this is going to outlive us. A lot of our generosity is going to outlast us. I, I'm not going to pastor this church forever. I know you want me to. I know you all, I'm your favorite person in the whole world and you really want me to stay and do a 60-year stint. I don't know. At, at some point, this microphone becomes a baton. At some point, there's succession. Without succession, there's no success. Without a handoff to the next generation, the church fails and falls. As a matter of fact, what you see in most church culture to this day, the smaller, dead, dying churches, is just the lack of succession. It's a lack of succession. Moses is dead, but there was no Joshua to take over. That's why you drive by empty parking lots on Sunday mornings. That's why you drive by empty buildings on Sunday mornings. That's why there's cobwebs on most baptismal tanks because Moses has done been dead and they're doing CPR on Moses instead of raising up the next generation of Joshua and Caleb's. And I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in doing this until I die. I'm just not. I don't think I'm going to be effective forever. I'll boldly proclaim the truth until God tells me to stop. But when I stop, I trust and hope that our children 
can take on the mantle that Joshua took from Moses. I trust that, that you understand that when we give today, we're not giving even for ourselves. We're giving for the future. And, and you know, it would be easy for Joshua to have blamed Moses you know, Moses waited too long in the wilderness. If Moses just would have been obedient, if Moses would have done this, if the church just would have paid off their debt, I could easily, I could easily say if they would have just done this and not refinanced so many times, and if they would have been wiser with this and stewarded this, I'm not interested in bashing Moses because we're drinking from wells we did not dig. We're living in homes we did not build. We're standing on shoulders that are much broader because we can see the future now. But what I will tell you is that as the current Joshua and as a dead Moses, meaning our debt has been paid, we're going to have to cross this Jordan. We're going to have to cross this over. We can't stay here and wander in the wilderness for 40 years. We have to cross. And how do we do that? We do that through succession and we do that through reorientating our minds to think I'm not paying so that I'm not paying this offering. I'm not giving this offering so that so that I can inherit something. I'm giving in this offering so that my children's children can inherit something. I, I'm, I'm way more fascinated with the church that my grandkids are going to get than the one that I'm in right now. But you got to change. Today we create succession. We get to build something that's going to outlast us. We get to give towards our future. We got to cross over the Jordan River today. And so I'm going to ask for everyone to remain settled for just a moment, and I'll give clear instructions. And I want 100% of the people in this room to grab one of these purple envelopes. There should be one around you. Just grab it. You're like, I'm not giving to this church. That's okay. Just hold it so you're not left out. Here's the deal. Everybody crossed the Jordan, every single one of them. Young, old, rich, poor, leaders, servants, all of them, they crossed over. And I just want all of us to participate. In just a moment, I'm going to instruct the host. But for now, I just want everyone to grab one of these envelopes. Maybe you came ready to give today. I want you to do so. Ashton and I are giving. Sacrificially, many have already given online sacrificially. Here, here's, here's what I'll say, and then we'll put uh, uh, some more instructions. Uh, whatever you give to, it should outlive you. Whatever you give to, it should outlive you. That Honda that you have, not going to outlive you. It's not. Sorry. I'm only going to give to things that outlive me. And today's offering is 100% for the future, and it's going to outlive me. There will be people in heaven many, many generations from now that thank us for the seeds that we're sowing today. And every time you sow a seed, God has a harvest in mind. It's not about what you are giving towards, it's about who you are giving for. You're giving for people whose marriages are on the brink of divorce, driving by, dropping their kids off at Doral Academy saying, we should probably go back to church. People who are dropping their kindergartner off at school here at Doral Academy say, we should probably check that church out. That's, you're not giving towards uh, brick and mortar. You're giving towards people's lives being changed forever. Well, and I've said this phrase many times. You're probably tired of hearing it, but it's a good one. God will rarely ask you to give what you do not have, but he'll frequently ask you to give what you would like to keep because he tests your sacrifice. We're not looking for equal amount today. We are looking for equal sacrifice. 
Maybe God's calling you to give more than what you thought. Maybe God's calling you to up your commitment right now. I'm not gonna tell you how much to give. I am gonna tell you to ask God and ask him how you should give. And at every location, I want everyone to grab an envelope. If you are, if you are to give online, just write online somewhere on the envelope. If you're, if you're giving online, you could put the amount and in, in the amount that you would like to give on the envelope. If you're giving, uh, maybe you're not a full amount, but maybe half of what you wanna give, you can just say in faith on the envelope so that we know. There's a QR code on the screen for those who wanna give online right now. There's a drop down menu. You can give to here, near, far projects or for the future. It's all going to the same thing. There's not really a difference if you are a part of our for the future commitment and you wanna fulfill your for the future campaign, you could do so there. If you are giving towards our here, near, far projects, all of them are getting covered. We've already actually taken care of most of them by faith that today's offering is going to be good. We wrote a $51,000 check to church plants all around the United States uh, this week, just so we could say we put our faith in motion before you guys gave. So yeah, give yourselves a hand. That's what this offering is going towards. We've already paid off our debt. I'm just trying to be a person of my word. Like if I say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. And I wrote five years ago, we went before the elders and before the church and said, you know what? We need to get this church out of debt. And this face, these wrinkles, they're covered up by some makeup right now. But usually if you see me without makeup on, these are, these are city miles, man. We've been working hard on this, on this to get this done. And you got to pray for me (laughs) during this building process because this hairline, it keeps going backwards and not forwards. They keep having to put more stuff in it on Sunday mornings before church. They have to spray more black paint. So pray for me and please give. (laughs) Thank you for considering our church and your generosity this year. This is an above and beyond offering, but we're gonna bring all of our offering at once today. So if you're bringing a regular gift, you can just use the regular little purple envelopes that says, thank you for giving. And I'm just trying to be very, very clear with my instructions. If you're not able to give anything at all, I still want you to write um, the name of someone that you wanna see come to Christmas at Focus next week on your envelope. I just wanna see someone, I wanna see everyone cross the Jordan today. Now I'm gonna ask that our host and prayer team come forward. So if our host team can come forward, I want you to line the front. We're gonna bring this, this offering. Would you stand to your feet at all of our locations, across all of our locations? I wanna pray for you. I'm gonna have the first lady come and pray for you. Here's what we're gonna do in just a moment. Everyone stand, even if you just bring an empty envelope, just participate. It's, you're not gonna get cooties. We're not gonna reach into your bank account and magically take something that you didn't give. It's between you and God today. It's between you and God what you're bringing. I know that many people have already brought thousands of dollars this morning. Many people have already given online when they got paid on the first above and beyond their regular tithes and offerings. It's really not about the money. It's about ensuring that our hearts are always postured. We would like to pray for your family. If you have prayer requests or prayer needs, our prayer teams are the ones without the buckets. So if they don't have a bucket, they want to pray for you. If they have a bucket, they still want to pray for you, but they also want you to put an envelope in there first. So as you come today, you can just bring your, bring your envelope And then we're just going to worship for a little bit. Don't leave because we want to make sure that you're you're not dismissed. We have some information to give you about next week, Christmas at Focus. But I just want you to know that I'm incredibly grateful for you. Uh, Ashton and I are in this with you. We're not not twisting people's arms and and then like, look at all those people giving. We're, we're, We're stretched and participating as well. And we're very, very grateful for you. I'm going to have the First Lady of Focus Church come and pray. 
her prayers are more blessed than mine are. That's just a joke, but it's the truth. And so uh, thank you for your generosity. If you want to give online, you can go to givetofocus.com. You can give however you'd like, but uh, thank you. It means the world to me that we're in this together. And in 16 to 18 to 24 to 48 months, whenever we're in the new building, I don't know when it'll be. I'm not going to make a promise. We're going to be able to at least enjoy it for a little bit, but our kids are going to be able to enjoy it for a lot of bit. And that's the key. Would you pray for us? Yes. Can you lift up your hands in a posture to receive from the Lord right now? God, I thank you. I thank you for what you are going to pour out upon your people right now in this moment as they give sacrificially to you. I thank you, God, that whatever we sow, we also reap. I thank you for that promise that we hold tightly to in your word, that though we may give out of a place of lack, your supply is endless and you desire to give good gifts to your children. And I thank you, Lord, that you are pouring out a blessing upon them so much greater than they could ever contain. And I thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you and we can put our hope in you for a future that is greater than anything we could ask, think, hope, or imagine. And so today I pray for those that are giving sacrificially, Lord, that they would find encouragement, oh Lord, that you are not done yet, that this seed that they are sowing is only the beginning of a great harvest that is to come for the future, for the generations that are to come after us, Lord. And I pray that it would inspire the hearts of your people, that they have a purpose that they have value, that they have a future to cling to in you. May every gift that is given today be returned to them sevenfold. You are able, God, and we trust you with it all. This is all for you. It all belongs to you anyways. And we thank you for how you are going to multiply it even beyond the dollar amounts that are given today because that is who you are. You're a multiplying God. You're a good God. You're a gracious God. And everything that you do is greater than our minds can fathom. We love you and we honor you today with our generosity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. This ministry is made possible because of the generosity of so many people like you. To partner with us, you can click the link in our description or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe now or share it with a friend. For more inspirational content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash Focus Church. Join us next week for another incredible message.